Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Well, such a joy to be in the house this morning. What a, what a, what a wonderful privilege. And what a wonderful privilege for, uh, to be here on the Cotton Prayer Day. Um, one of the responsibilities that we have, and uh, as Rod said, people started in the Polynesian and Micronesian islands while we were sleeping, and then, um, and then in New Zealand and Australia and Sri Lanka and right across Europe. I had pictures from around the world this morning, the one church, the folk were lining the, the perimeter of the church praying, and they were praying while we were still sleeping. And so just so exciting to, to see that and, and just the way that it, it pulls together. Um, you know, when you have an apostolic council and you have a lot of wise men, it's very, very difficult to get them all to agree on one theme. <laughs> you know, they're all hearing from God. So, um, so, but we just really felt, and it really flows, uh, the word that I'm going to share this morning flows out of the, the theme of the prayer day. That our weapon, you know, we, we hear about weaponry and this nation needs to be armed more and that nation needs to be doing that more. And our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And we will see that our God reigns. God will have his say. You know, isn't it amazing? I was just thinking about the queen passing this week and just thinking about Charles ascending to the throne and, and all that went on and it kind of happens I said to Carol yesterday, it's a bit like Easter weekend, you know. On Friday, you're grieving for the price of the cross. And on Sunday morning, it's hooray, you know, we're all here, Jesus is risen. And I was just thinking, on the one hand, we're mourning the death of this incredible monarch who most of us have known all our lives. You know, as I said to Carol, she's like our personal grandmother, you know. She's just always been there. And now, all of a sudden, she's gone. And now we must all say, hooray, you know, I looked at those... Grenadier guards raising their busbies saying, you know, three cheers for the king. And I'm thinking, king who? You know. <laughs> but the wonderful thing with King Jesus, when he died, there was no succession. Because I was reading, Rod just quoted Daniel. When Daniel stood before King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, the kingdom that will come will be an everlasting kingdom. And there is no succession. We live in the fullness of the continuation. That's why I love kingdom. And our king is still on the throne. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Now, Rod caught me napping here because I didn't know when he called me up to pray that I was going to start preaching straight away. So, so we're, all, we're all good here. But, you know, um, just a shout out to my, my brother Brian and Pauline. They're celebrating 50 years of marriage this weekend. Isn't it wonderful? Here they are. What, what a testimony. They should, put, they should put them in the Smithsonian Museum. They are national, they are national treasures. <laughs> and then again, just to Rod and the elders, just thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the years that we've journeyed together. What a wonderful privilege. I know this is a little indulgent, but you know, just... Cut us a bit of slack here. And then, um, yeah, just a, a real wonderful thing just to say what an honor to serve Jesus. 
and to be in his house again this morning. As we've said, we've, we've, we've chatted about this. You look at the world and society in general and how they, they scratch and they struggle and um, there's so much uncertainty going on. And, and, and very often we look at the leaders of the world and they're floundering and, and, and at best they come up short. They just don't seem to have proper answers for this or for that. And I'm not just talking about world leaders. It happens in society. It happens in the schools, it, as we see. It, it happens in local municipalities. It happens where we work on a daily, daily basis. And, the, and very often they come up, all they come up with is just good ideas. And sometimes the ideas are not even that good. But the truth of the matter is, 1 Corinthians says this in verse 2 in chapter 6. It says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Look at that again. We're going to camp around this this morning. But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't it wonderful when we have been truly transformed by him, his word assures us that we have been made new by the renewing of our minds. And we're going to visit around that this morning. So, so here goes. When we have the mind of Christ, we think differently. Proverbs 23 says this. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The apostle Paul persecuted the body of Christ. He persecuted the church. He put believers to, to death. He was standing there at the stoning of Stephen. But the mind of Christ changed him. And when the mind of Christ changed Paul, it says the whole of Asia was saved in two years. That's not bad. When a man who's persecuting people suddenly has a change of mind and Asia hears the whole word within two years. Just how wonderful is that? Look at Zacchaeus. He was a schemer and he was fleecing everyone and he was robbing them and ripping them off. And all of a sudden, he encounters Jesus. Jesus says, come down, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your place today. And with that, he falls under such incredible conviction when he has the mind of Christ. He says, not only will I pay back people what, I, what I've defrauded them, I will give them back four times as much. And so we, we begin to be changed and transformed when the mind of Christ gets hold of us. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to observe. I recently, Carol and I recently had breakfast with a couple in Port Elizabeth. And I bumped this man and he said, won't you come to breakfast with me and my wife? And I said, sure, we'd love to do that. And he called the next week. He said, let's make a date. He said, we want you to come to breakfast because you are my airport angel. I had met him in the Johannesburg International Airport some years before, many years before. And he was divorced from his wife. And he was up there on business and he was waiting to catch a flight. And I was able to talk to him about Jesus. And I was able to share about the value of marriage with him. And then as God would have it, sometime later, I bumped him at the airport again, both catching flights. And we spoke more. And he transformed and gave his heart to Jesus. 
But what the beautiful part of the story is, he and he, he, he went back and he remarried his wife. And they began to do divorce recovery. And they have now, these years later, helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of marriages. Because God changed his mind. So when we have the mind of Christ, we think differently. When we have the mind of Christ, we see and we discern differently as well. Look at the woman. You, you all know the story of the woman at the well in Samaria. How Jesus comes along and all of a sudden she kind of figures, Who, who's this funny old Jew talking to me? You know, they weren't supposed to associate with one another. So she kind of just sees him as an ordinary old Jew. And as they're going along in their interaction and their, their back and forth, suddenly something shifts in her spirit. And she starts to discern differently. And she, we speak up over here in John chapter 4 and verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. But somehow our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you're telling us to go and worship in Jerusalem. And of course, you know, she'd argued and said, are you greater than our father Abraham? And all, all, all of that. And um, then when she gets totally convicted, she changes and she goes back to the city. And in verse 29, it says, come and see a man who told me all the things that I have ever done. This is not the Christ, is it? Suddenly, her discernment changed, and the whole town came out and got saved. That's not bad. Suddenly, a woman who's bantering with him and back and forthing with him, suddenly she gets the mind of Christ, and she is so convicted that she rushes back. And bear in mind, her reputation was a little bit shaky. I mean, she'd had six guys. You know, I mean, that's worse than some of the Hollywood lot. Yeah. I was going to say a name, but I decided not to. <laughs> and so we do. We discern differently. Yet the danger is that we can know him and yet not always uh, fully have his mind. We can go about our daily thing and the... The soulish realm can still get hold of us, even though we know Jesus. And even about his business. The Lord corrected me in the most amazing way not long ago. Just before the lockdown came, I was carrying my cross and bowl. Um, Rod mentioned, alluded to that. I've carried my cross and bowl in more than 30 nations of the world. Just to show the servant love of Jesus to people. And one of the things that we did just before lockdown in 2019, we did a thing called Walking the Way where we walked the Pilgrim's Way in southern England. It's one of the oldest pilgrimage routes in the world. It started when Augustine came in, I think in the ninth century. And, he, and, and the, the, it's quite a long story, which I won't go into, but... We started, when I heard that this was where the first believers came into England, I said, we've got to carry the cross and bowl there. We were going along, but before we did, and some of the parts of the route are so ancient that they can't even find them properly. 
So we did a scouting trip. And we landed up in a town called Alton, A-L-T-O-N. And um, we, we kind of prayed and we discerned. This was before I did the actual walk. And we thought, this place is dead. You know, like Nathaniel said to Jesus, you know, what good can come out of Nazareth? We kind of said, what good can come out of Alton? Nothing can happen here. This place is dead. It's beaten up and what have you. But then when we were doing the actual walk, the morning we started out, we had gone to a little neighboring village where the famous British author Jane Austen had lived. And we stopped outside the house that she'd lived in the night before. And so we stood there the next morning. And in all the 35 plus years on the road, every morning when I've started out, Carol has always stood and prayed over me at the side of the road. And so she was with the group who was with me and um, she prayed. And she prayed that morning knowing we were going to walk into Alton. She said, God, I'm praying an audacious prayer over Dave and these people this morning. I'm praying for an open heaven for them this morning as they go. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm a bit like Nathaniel, you know, what good can come out of Alton, you know. So we start going in. And we walk in and we twist and wind our way into the village and we get there and the village workers are cleaning the green. If you can just put the picture up. Okay, so over here is me with my cross and bowl, and there's, there's the village workers. And we, they put all the gear down, and they come across. And as you can see, they, they come across, and we're shaking hands, and we, we pray with them, and, and God touches them. So I'm thinking, okay, it's, you know, it's early in the morning. This is not a bad start, you know. So off we go, and we go along a little later, and we see an old church. So we go in there. We go into this church, and the one lady says that we, we meet, she says, my, my son died in a diving accident, and they've never found his body. And she said, I'm heartbroken. And so that's me washing her feet there. And God touched them, and it was just wonderful. We had a lovely time with them. And then we're going along, and we get to the middle of the town, and a lady comes up to me, and she says, excuse me, can I get my photograph with you? So I said, sure. So I stand there with my cross and bowl, and she gets the picture. Then she says, um, would you mind if I put this on our website? So I said, sure. So then she says to me, she says, um, what is this? And points to my cross and bowl. I said, oh, that's the cross and bowl. So... She said, what do you do with it? I said, I wash feet. She says, you wash feet? I said, yes. She says, um, I said, you know the part in the Bible where Jesus washed the disciples' feet? That's what I do. She says, no, I've never heard of that. And I suddenly realized that she had never been exposed to the gospel. And then I said, what website do you want to put this on? She said, I'm the Sunday morning anchor for the major radio channel in this area. And then I said to her, can I tell you about Jesus? So she says, yes, come and sit down on the bench here next to me. So I sat on the bench over there 
and she gave her heart to Jesus. So I'm thinking, this is not such a bad day in Alton. <laughs> now, this is our intercessor friend who happens to be a friend of Rod and Val's as well. She came with me. She is a machine. And she was putting scriptures, pegs with scriptures in the ground as I was going. And this, she found this little monument in the middle of the square. And as soon as this girl had given her heart to the Lord, she pushed one of the pegs through, through that wall there. She was planting the word of God in the ground. And we prayed that morning before we left, Lord, give us an opportunity to pray for healings. So we're going along a little further. We bump an old guy. We said, now what kind of day are you having, sir? He says, not so good today. I said, why? He said, I'm just on my way to the doctor. We said, hallelujah, you in the right place. So we prayed. And by lunchtime, Carol came to look for us. And I said, you know, we could actually go home. We've had the most fantastic day <laughs> out on the road. And it was just one of those beautiful things where suddenly we had, been, we had been doing the business of Christ with a carnal mind until Carol prayed, Lord, give them an open heaven. And suddenly the heavens changed. So let us continually apply Christ's mind in our discernment. His mind and authority need to permeate our lives no matter where we are, where we, whether it be the workplace, the marketplace, or simply going about our everyday lives, we need to continue to know that Christ is with us in every situation. And sometimes we, we do the hallelujah thing in church and you know, we, we're all sweet and we're nice and Christian to one another and we pray for things and we think that's fine. But you know, when we get to Publix, we, we kind of forget. <laughs> In fact, we, we're snarling at the guy because he pushed his cart into our car. But if the stuff works in here, it needs to work out there. Yes. One time I was, many years ago, I was praying and ministering to some people next to a freeway, an on-ramp to a freeway, and I was down the bottom. You know how they build, build it up, I was down the bottom. And all of a sudden, as I was washing this person's feet, I look up. And there is a woman with a brick in her hand bearing down on me. And in an instant, I mean, we'd seen deliverance in church and all that. In an instant, I jumped back and I said, in the name of Jesus, come out. I, I instinctively did it as I jumped back from the, the brick. And with that, she collapsed on the ground. And I thought, what now? You know, <laughs> have we killed her? You know, But the reality of the matter is this. If it's in us and the mind of Christ is in us and it permeates us, it need to, needs to operate in us instinctively no matter what the circumstance is. It's not just for in here. It's for out there. It's for we work. It's when we stand in front of the class. It's when we're the student. It's when we're driving the bus. It's when we're the lifeguard on the beach. It's for wherever we are, we need to allow the mind of Christ to overtake us. Then when we have the mind of Christ, we see the church differently. We see the church differently. Jesus sees the church as his bride. That's how he sees her precious and magnificent. You see, we don't just sign up 
and, and come in. We join a cause when we join the church. We, we, we're part of the Church of the Nations family. It's not a denomination. I've brought churches into Church of the Nations and they say to me, where's the certificate? I say, there's no certificate. They say, why? I say, because like the Apostle Paul, who we are, it's written on the tablets of our hearts. And we will never be anything more than our relationships allow us to be. And so you want to be part of Coastal Community Church, you're joining a cause. It's a wonderful cause. And it's a family. And people say, well, how do we do spiritual warfare? Well, we're a family at war. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, we don't just pick a church from a smorgasbord. It's not, oh, well, this church has got hip music and that one's got a smoke machine and that's got cool lights and, and the pastor's hip. Oh, sorry, he's not, but his wife is. <laughs> but you see, when we are the planting of the Lord, we become a kingdom, a true kingdom and spiritual people. And we need to be kingdom people no matter where we are. I had the, the glorious joy and the sadness, uh, Carol and I just recently, of attending the memorial service of a wonderful young man. He was in his early 50s. And he was flying overseas from, Johann from Port Elizabeth to Johannesburg. He got to the airport. He called his wife. She said, how are you? He said, I'm fine. Fifteen minutes later, the guys that he was supposed to meet up with in Joburg that were going to Germany with him, they called and said, where's Trevor? Didn't he make the flight? She said, no, he's there. He's in the airport. Five minutes later, they called and they said, ma'am, are you Mrs. So-and-so? They said, yes, your husband is dead. He just dropped down dead in the airport. It was very sobering for me sitting there because I thought that could have been me. I dropped down dead. I dropped down dead, but I dropped down, but I didn't die in the Atlanta airport last year. And I thought that could be me. But as I listened to Trevor's life, he was the dealer principal for BMW in, in Port Elizabeth. But I didn't know that he served on the board, the international board for the whole strategy for BMW for Africa and the Middle East. And at his memorial, they read out tributes from the international board in Germany of BMW to the man of integrity that he was, his insights and the way he influenced. And as I sat there, I thought, that's kingdom. Kingdom affects the decision-making process. Another thing I didn't know, somebody said, then do you know that he advises the man who advises the president on the motor industry? He's his personal counselor. And I thought, that's kingdom. And as we went on, there was a whole block in the church of 250 people who'd come with their BMW shirts on and all from that he was their boss. And they wept. But he was a man who loved people. He was every man's friend. I know of widows whose finances he helped them with in his busy job. I know of people who he would counsel. 
he also was part of this marriage thing with his wife. And then he would come to church and he would usher on a Sunday. And somebody stopped him once and said to him, you do all these things. You're on these international boards for BMW. You run this huge business. And yet you still come to the church and you usher on a Sunday. And he looked at them and he said, because that's what we do. Because we're part of the body of Christ. And as I sat and this man, he loved motor racing too. Um, in the church in Port Elizabeth, they'll tell you we, we've got a motor racing club. It's been going for about 30 years. And they all come when the Formula One's on with their Ferrari hats and their BMW and their Red Bull hats. And they, even if it's three in the morning, they come and they watch. And then they all kit up and, and they range from 16 to 60 in age. Men, women, the whole lot. They pile in and then when... The sun rises and the Grand Prix's over. They cook breakfast and they praise Jesus and off they go. He was part of that. But you see, he was a true kingdom man because he had the mind of Christ. But just, he loved the church, loved the bride. Rick Godwin says this, you cannot build a church on consumers. They'll desert you at a moment's notice because they have no commitment beyond the, meeting their own needs. Jesus can take 12 disciples and build a movement that changes the world. He could never have done that with consumers. We can't be consumers. It's not a smorgasbord. God plants us and we are grafted in under spiritual leadership that we can trust. So now I'm coming into land. How am I doing on time? I was told I can't go on too long because the children will burst out of the children's church. And... <laughs> when we have the mind of Christ, okay, we reason in the spirit. Isaiah 40 says, who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Who, who is his counselor that he has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave understanding? Through Jesus, the Holy Spirit teaches us so that we can know his mind. It says in John 15, Jesus says this, No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you by the Holy Spirit. You see, he makes it clear that daily he will affect and continue our actions and those things that we do. And when we go with the mind of Christ, we need to be continually asking. There was a famous casino in South Africa called the Fisher of a Sun. And I was walking past there with my cross and bowl one day. And I looked, I stood outside the grounds of this magnificent casino, country club, resort, whatever it was. And I said, God, I'm asking you by faith to affect the mind of the engine room of this place that you would permeate it. Now, you've got to understand, I'm looking like Crocodile Dundee with my big boots and my water tanks and everything. And I had an Afro hairstyle at that time. It's slightly different now. And I've just lost 60 pounds, so it does make... And I walked past. The next morning as I was praying, the Lord said to me, I want you to go out on the road abnormally early tomorrow. So I thought, well, that's kind of strange. Why is that? I normally kind of get out there by 10 o'clock and I spend the day out there. 
the Lord said, no, like early, when the sun comes up, before the sun comes up. So I got up at about five o'clock and I went, Carol took me out on the road and I was out there. And I'm going along, just kind of walking along the edge of the main road and I got to a place where a little dirt road intersected the main road. And as I stopped there, just as the sun's coming up, this guy pulls up in a little pickup truck and he rolls the window down because there was no electric windows in those days. He rolls the window down and he leans across and starts talking to me and then he says to me, I want to take you home to my house. I want to give you breakfast. So I'm about to say to him, no, I I can't come to your house because the Lord told me to come out early. (laughs) So... I took my cross and bowl and my water tanks, put it on the back of his truck and I get in this truck and I'm driving off with this man to where I don't know. So we get to his house to his very startled looking wife. And he says, this is Dave, I brought him home for breakfast. So I'm sitting there and she made me a nice breakfast. And with that, the neighbor walks in, the lady from next door. And she was a fine looking young girl probably 35 years old or maybe 40. And we start talking and she sits around the table and she's about to go. And as she's about to go, I said to her, ma'am, can I just ask you, do you know Jesus? Have you ever given your heart to Jesus? And she said, no. So we prayed and she gave her heart to Jesus and she went home. As she'd gone, they said to me, do you know who that woman is? I said, no. She said, they said, she's the wife of the general manager of the Fisher of a Son. The day before, I had asked God to affect the heart of that place. Those two women were so enthusiastic and excited. They came out and brought me refreshments on the road every day until they couldn't drive that far anymore. (laughs) It was just absolutely wonderful. And we pray, so God cemented the heart and what he does is he, he starts to change things. And Jesus says this, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you, the mind of Christ. Now, I was going to tell you a lovely story about a lot of other things. And you know what? I'm out of time. No, the children are going to come through that door. What kind of church is this? Okay, so here we are. We're going right to the end, guys. Sometimes, even with good intentions toward the Lord, we can still reason in a worldly way. Look at this poor old Peter. He got a rough story here. Matthew 16 and verse 22. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. This is Jesus talking about his crucifixion. But he turned and said to him, he said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Not a bad title. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests. Look at it there. You are not setting your mind on God's interests, 
but on man's. That was soon after Jesus had declared to, that Peter had declared to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. One's immediate reaction would, how can we swing from one extreme to another just so quickly? Yet, just as it, go, it just goes to show that when we stand face to face with the living God, it is still possible that we cease to inquire what is on the mind of Christ. And so we need to make it who we are daily. Show me, Holy Spirit. Continue to give me the mind of Christ. And even, Lord, when I'm about your business, help me to stand that you would lead me and show me, no matter where I am and who I am. So let's pull this together. When we have the mind of Christ, we think differently. When we have the mind of Christ, we see and discern differently. When we have the mind of Christ, we operate in power and authority. When we have the mind of Christ, we see differently. When we have the mind of Christ, we reason differently. And sometimes, even with good intentions toward the Lord, we can still reason in a worldly way. Let us just pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. And we thank you, Lord, that you grant us your mind. And we thank you, King Jesus, that you declared that greater things than we, these will we do. Just while we're all focused on the Lord, I want to say that we cannot operate in the mind of Christ until we know Christ. And Jesus said, unless a man or a woman is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And many people have known about Jesus, but they've never known him. Many people have believed in their heart, but the word says that unless you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Many folk have believed in their hearts, but they've never confessed. And so if that's you and you've come today and you've never given your heart to Jesus and you might say, yes, Dave, count me in. I want the full mind of Christ. I want the fullness of Him. I want to stand be before Him and I want to operate in Him. I've tried the world's ways, but now I'm doing it Jesus' way. So if you've come this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus, the Bible says if you confess with your, your, your if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And so if that's you and you've come, but you've never made that commitment, why don't you just raise your hand and just say, Dave, today's my day. I, 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 wanna, I wanna receive Jesus. Is there anyone here who'd like to do that? You've never done that before. Just raise your hand, put it up quickly if you would. Just say, yes, come on, this is, you. This is my day. Don't go home without Jesus today. Is there anyone here that would like to do that? Okay, okay, there we are. That's wonderful, man. That's wonderful, that's wonderful. Is there anyone else? Your hands are nice and warm. You must be very happy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's your name? Tammy. Tammy. Is there anyone who wants to come and speak?